Peter, chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, on the, in the Red Pew book, my Bible is on page 1020. Again, that's 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 commands us to grow. And I don't know if you've thought about growing lately. It's something that all of us ought to think about because what it means to be a Christian is that we are a living thing in Jesus Christ and living things grow. If a living thing stops growing, we root it up, we throw it out. If a living thing isn't constantly showing evidence that it's alive, that it's growing, it's not doing what it was purposed to do. And that's true of your faith and it ought to be true of all of our faith that God wants us to grow. The lesson this morning is entitled, How Jesus Changes Lives. And if you ask that question, how does Jesus change lives, there are a lot of answers that someone might give, a lot of different angles and approaches that someone might use to answer that particular question. But I want us to think this morning about change in the sense of maturity, in the sense of growing up, in the sense of being different because we belong to Jesus Christ. How Jesus changes your life and how he changes mine. The Bible commands us to change. God desires that we change. I mean, when you think about passages in the New Testament alone, you've got passages like Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 that command us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove and you may demonstrate my experience what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God in Christ Jesus. So God tells us, I've saved you and I've saved you so that you can be transformed. What's different in your life right now than was different two weeks ago or two months ago? Because you belong to Jesus, how has transformation been happening in your life? It's a question worth pondering. Another passage in 2 Peter 3.18 that we just read. Don't be led astray by false doctrines and false teachers. Don't listen to things that are untrue about God's word. You're going to be unstable. What's the antidote to that, Peter? The antidote, as we just read, is 2 Peter 3.18. Grow in the grace of Jesus Christ and in the knowledge. And the Bible uses a word there that means an experiential knowledge. It's a relationship grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because when I'm growing in ways that matter, when I'm growing in ways that God says matter, there's going to be less of a temptation for me to be led astray by that which is unholy and untrue. And then a third passage, Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus said to everybody who would hear him, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. But he didn't stop there. 
He said, take my yoke upon you. It's an image of, a, of an oxen being yoked with Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly at heart, and then you'll find rest under your souls. Jesus, the master teacher, Jesus, the great shepherd, challenges you to come to him and to follow him and to be changed by him. When we don't mature, there are some consequences. Think about this. When we don't mature, a lack of maturity robs us of some of God's blessings. Because as we fail to mature, as we fail to grow up, as we fail to change and be more conform to the image of Christ, there are some blessings that God intends for your life that you'll never experience because you've never grown up. Not only that, a lack of maturity hurts the people of God. The church is a collective organism. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about how all of us individually are eyes and ears and mouths and hands and feet of the body of Christ. And all of us have a role to play. And when one part is not growing as the others are, when one part is not maturing as the others are, it affects the whole body. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 warns us not to drift away. Give heed to the things that we've heard. Let's listen to the things that God has prepared for us so that we don't drift away because it hurts the body, it hurts the people of God when that happens. Maturity also, when it's not present in our lives, it may well indicate that we have a severe heart problem. There was a man in a certain town and We'll just call him John. And John had been a member of Christ's body for as long as anybody could remember. 50 years plus. John was known in the community and in the church as a cranky guy. He was somebody that could find fault quickly, easily. And everybody, when they talked to John, they knew what to expect. They'd walk up to him and they'd visit with him and Oh, I know what to expect. I'm going I'm to regret this conversation. But they loved John, and so they continued that dialogue with him. He could always find something to complain about. And it wasn't just in the church. It was in his family. He had trouble in the way that he related to his wife. He had trouble as his kids were growing up relating to his kids. And as they had grown, they had rebelled against him in many ways and rebelled against God as well. And people just kind of shrugged and looked at John. He's been a Christian for 50 plus years and there's been no evidence that anything has changed and people just kind of shrugged and it didn't really bother anybody anymore. John's, that's just him. That's who he is. That's what he's like. There's a severe heart problem in some of us that keeps us from growing up. And we can't just dismiss it and excuse it and say, well... You know, that's just the way I am. That's just the way so-and-so is. That's just how they are. You can't do that and say that we're growing in ways that matter. We need to talk about how Jesus changes lives. And we also need to think about why change doesn't occur in a lot of people's lives. Because there are a lot of Johns out there. There are a lot of Christians out there who have been Christians for 5, 10, 20, 50 years. And there's been no marked evidence of anything changing in their hearts. Why? Why is that the case in so many of our lives that we just don't see much difference? 
The same problems that I face today and the same issues and sins that I see in my life today are the same sins that I saw 30 years ago. Why is that true of so many New Testament Christians? That's the question I intend to answer from God's Word this morning. And what I want to do is do it this way. There are a bunch of myths that we believe about maturity and growth. And we need to talk about those. But there are also some things that we need to give attention to. If change is going to be real in your life, it's going to be real in mine. If transformation, Romans 12 verse 2, if growing, 2 Peter 3 18, if changing to be more like Christ and conform to His image, Colossians 1 27, if that's really what our goal is, why are we not making progress? We need to think about some things very practically this morning. So, two points to the lesson, and here's number one. There are some myths that are very common among the people of God that can actually hinder, if we're not careful, our growth and our change into maturity. Some myths, and maybe we don't articulate these, but they're there in the back of our minds a lot of the time. And they come out in some of the conversations that we have. I'll give you six common myths about growing up in Christ that people believe. Myth number one. Maturity change is automatic at salvation. The Bible teaches that the way a person is saved is that they must first learn about Jesus Christ and about His will. Teaching precedes everything. Because faith comes by hearing and by hearing by the word of Christ, Romans 10, 17. And when someone hears the word of Christ, they realize that the way a person becomes a Christian, this is God's will, is that we put our faith in Jesus, that we confess his name, that we determine that we're going to repent of our sins. We're going to change. There's that word. Acts 2, 38. Men and brethren, what must we do? Repent. That was the first thing Peter said. Change. And then the Bible teaches that we're baptized. And when we're baptized in water, that is the point, that is the seminal moment at which the blood of Jesus, the death and the resurrection of Christ, of Jesus Christ, those things are applied to our lives. We put on Christ, Galatians 3 verse 27, in baptism. And there's an assumption that now you're mature. You've been taught, you've been trained, you know Jesus, you've repented of your sin, and therefore maturity is instant. Remember Yakov Smirnov, Russian comedian? He did a bit one time, Yakov Smirnov did. He said, you know, I came to America and I went into a store and I just couldn't believe what I saw. Americans have instant everything. He said, I went into the store and I saw powdered milk. And all you gotta do is add water, instant milk. And then I walked down to another aisle and I saw powdered orange juice. And all you gotta do is add water and instant orange juice. And then he said, I went over to another aisle and I saw baby powder. And I thought, what a country. <laughs> sometimes in our evangelism and in our teaching of people, sometimes we think that because somebody has made the decision to be baptized, that that instantly gives them and grants them a degree of maturity and that all of their bad habits are just now swept away. That those don't challenge them anymore. All of the things that they've been doing with their lives that, and the patterns and the friendships and the routines that need to be reoriented into a Christ-like way. That all those things have now been taken care of. There's an adult class for you. Make sure you attend. 
It's not automatic, it's salvation. And we would do well as the men and women of God to believe that and remember that. Secondly, myth. Change doesn't happen naturally over time. Listen to me carefully. Just because a man has been a Christian for 30 years does not mean that he has 30 years of maturity, spiritual maturity. Just because a woman has been a Christian for five years does not mean that she has necessarily grown very much in that five years. It is not natural just by the passing of time. Just because you associate with spiritual people and just because you listen to spiritual lessons does not mean the change is happening in your life. There's a difference. It's not natural just because time passes. And that is why the guy I talked about just a minute ago, hypothetical guy, could be a Christian for 50 years and could have a ruined marriage and a ruined relationship with his kids and a ruined relationship with people in the community and could be doing no discernible good in the body. Why is he doing that? And why are people not more disturbed by that? A lot of people just kind of assume, well, he's been a Christian a long time. He hasn't grown very much, if at all. Another myth. Some people have this myth. There are books that have been written about this that maturity and change, that those things happen really fast. All you gotta do is find the right key. Instant everything. If I could just find the right key, I could, I could change and things could be different quickly. That's not the way change happens either. It's kind of like a young person who really wants to learn to drive and thinks that they are ready for the open road. They think they're ready for I-10 and you're 12 years old. I know you know how the gears work and I know you know how the steering wheel works, but you're not ready for that. There's no quick key to maturity and growth. In Colossians 1 verse 27, the apostle Paul talked about his ministry and he said, my ministry is all about changing people. Here's what I'm aiming at as a minister of Christ, he says, I'm aiming to change people so that they will be conformed into Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the goal and the aim of my ministry. And by the way, for churches, it would be better for us if we would stop measuring growth in terms of numbers and rather if we would measure growth in terms of how many people are becoming more like Christ in this place. There's a difference. It doesn't occur quickly. And there's not a secret path or secret key. Number four, myths about change and maturity. Common. All we need is to do more and to try harder. You want to grow up, you want to be more mature. You know what your problem is? You're just not trying hard enough. You're just not doing enough. If you just get busier, if you just try harder, then you would be more mature. Then you would be different. There's a danger in this. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. By the way, the Bible does commend being active in the Lord's work. I'm not knocking that, and I don't think any of us should. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 tells us, be steadfast, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Inasmuch as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And there are a lot of people that are immature in their faith because they know the truth, but they've never tried to put it into practice in their lives. And that's not what I'm talking about here. 
I've started lifting weights over the last couple of years. I know it's hard to tell, but I have. <laughs> Even now, after doing it for two years, if I walked into a gym and said, you know what, I want to bench press 350 pounds. That's what I'm going to do. I've got muscles in my arms. I want to bench press 350 pounds. I could load the 350 pounds onto the rack, and I could struggle, and I could strain, and I could try. I could give every ounce of effort I had to give, but you know what? I guarantee you I cannot, without serious bodily injury, I cannot lift that bar with 350 pounds on it. can't. No matter how hard I try. Arnold Schwarzenegger walks into the, into the gym and looks at me and says, you know what your problem is, John? You're just not trying hard enough. Come on, give a better effort. That's what your problem is. Sometimes we do that with our brethren. Because they're struggling with some really heavy weights and they're struggling with some habits and they're struggling with some challenges and some beliefs that need to be corrected by the Word of God. And we come across to them as if we say, all you need is just to work on this harder. You're just not giving it enough effort. And it's like telling me to lift 350 pounds. You can tell me all you want, I'm not going to do it. I can't. And sometimes that's our approach to maturity. Do we need to be active? Yes. Do we need to serve the Lord? Yes. Do we need to be diligent in applying His Word to our lives? Yes. But there are some sins and some habits and some challenges and some hang-ups that people have. And doing more and trying harder and pressing and, 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 and grunting and, and groaning and trying to strain is not going to change one thing. There's got to be a better, a better way, a different way. Myths about change maturity, number five. This is common and I wish it were not. My change and my growth, they're gonna happen all on my own. Our religious friends have coined a phrase, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I really hope that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I really hope that genuinely you know him. Philippians 3 verses nine and 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his rising I want to know him. Galatians 2.20, Paul made it personal. He said, I am crucified with Christ. And he's the one at the end of that verse who loved me and gave himself for me. He made it personal. It's about me. It's about Jesus. But then over in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 15, he said to Timothy, he said, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them so that your progress may be evident to all. There is in many people's minds the idea that my faith and my spirituality and my growth, I can do that without the church. I can do that without a community of believers who care about me and who care about the Lord's will and I can grow up and I can mature without all that. I don't need it. That is a lie straight from hell. The idea that you can grow up and mature and change in a way that honors God and glorifies Him without being an active part of the body, that is as false as it can be. Biblically, it's false. People grow because there is accountability and there is community and there is mutual love. It's not best accomplished alone. In fact, a recipe for shriveling up spiritually would be isolate yourself. 
go out and go fishing and be by yourself and, and do that habitually and see what happens to your spiritual life. Don't ever be around people who love you and who love the Lord. Don't ever participate with them. See what happens. It is not best accomplished alone. There are some things that we ought to do alone. There are prayers in our closet, Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Praying privately not to be seen of men. Fasting privately not to be seen of men. Those kinds of things. But if that's all we do, we're never going to grow. Last myth, number 6. Some people believe that maturity is best measured by what you know. Or what you got stored up here. I am a big believer in memorizing scripture. I am a big believer in people writing God's word on their heart. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119 verse 11. When we take God's word and we hide it in our heart, that is the fuel and the foundation of our faith. It is where our faith originates. It's where it comes from because we stand on the promises of God. We're not just hoping that God's going to change something or hoping that God's going to do something. We're looking deeply into his word and we're trusting him to do what he says he's going to do. We need to know God's word better. That's why we have Bible classes. That's why we have for our young people Bible bowls and challenges to memorize scripture. And maybe we ought to do more of that in our adult classes. I say that as an adult Bible class teacher. Maybe memorizing more of God's word would be a blessing to us. But knowing God's word doesn't mean you're mature. Jesus spoke to Satan in Matthew chapter 4 verses 1 through 11. And it was very obvious that Satan knows the scriptures. He knows them backwards and forwards. He is able to quote scripture. He is able to twist scripture. But he knows what they say. In 1 Corinthians 8 verses 1 and 2, the apostle Paul was writing to a church that was full of strife and turmoil. And he said, knowledge in and of itself puffs up. But love is what builds up. And what the people of God need to do is to be a people of the book, a people who know God's word, but a people who apply it in love, a faith that works through love. Galatians 5 verse 6. It's not just measured by what you know. Those are some myths about maturity. And maybe you look at that list and you say, okay, why is change not happening in my life? And I would suggest to you that in many of our cases we have bought into or we have been taught one or more of those myths. And so the question is, how does Jesus change lives? I want Jesus Christ to change my life. I want to be transformed. I want to grow. I want to be changed for good so that I can more effectively reflect the image of Jesus. How does that happen? The reality. Number one. I must realize, and so must you, that salvation is a beginning and not an end. In evangelism, very often, we think of salvation as the goal. That is not the goal. If we can just teach somebody and, and help them to understand and come to faith in Christ and then make the decision on their own that they want to be baptized for the remission of their sins, well then, mission accomplished. Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, He says, I have come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. Jesus came and he said salvation is the beginning, not the end. Salvation is what turns you into a spiritual infant in the language of scripture. 
Open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And listen to what Peter says, because he knew a little bit about maturity, Peter did. He knew what it means to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And listen to what he says in 1 Peter 2, verse 1. 1 Peter 2, verse 1. He says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. What are you saying, Peter? He's saying salvation for you was a beginning, not an end. And if that's your concept, that it's the beginning, not the end, then there's work to do. There's change that needs to be taking place. Second, when we talk about the reality of change, life change, brothers and sisters and friends, must be intentional. It does not happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen just because you listen to a sermon that very eloquently expounds God's word. It doesn't happen just because you're around people who are changing. Change happens because we're intentional about change. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 5 and look at verses 12 through 14. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. This is important. This is critical. Pay attention. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. The Hebrews writer is warning his brethren not to go back to a system that can't save them, not to go back to Judaism. They believed in Christ. They've come to salvation. They've been baptized for the remission of their sins. And by virtue of that, they are part of a new covenant. And he says, you can't go back. But listen to what he says in Hebrews 5 verse 12. He says, for though by this time, because you've been Christians a while, by this time you ought to be teachers. But you need someone to go back and teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. There's that same general concept that you read in 1 Peter 2 verse 2. Desire the milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Life change has got to be intentional. That is to say, we need to take inventory of our lives and we need to look at God's word because it's a mirror that reflects back God's word to us, God's will to us. And we need to ask the question, what in my heart, what in my life, what in my attitudes does Jesus want to change? It's got to be intentional. By the way, that does not mean that we make a list of 50 things that we and I can identify in our lives 50 things and then we try to fix all 50 at once. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being intentional. Here's something to consider. You ever have deja vu in your relationships with people? Deja vu. That is to say, you've got a relationship with somebody, a friendship or a love relationship, whatever it is, and that, that friendship ends bitterly. It ends abruptly. And you think, well, that person's really got a problem. And then you walk on through life and you have another friendship. And that friendship goes well for a while. And then all of a sudden that friendship ends bitterly, ends abruptly. And you think, well, that's really strange. That's, that's like the other friendship that I had that ended abruptly, bitterly. And you walk on through life and you have another friendship. And guess what? Same thing happens. That's what I'm talking about with deja vu. Do you have relationships in your life like that? If you do, it's not them, it's you. If that's happening in your life repeatedly, it's not them, it's you. And in his providence, one of the things God is trying to do is he's trying to get our attention. When we have those deja vu moments, 
I keep getting fired from my job because I just can't follow the rules. I won't follow the rules. They're unfair. They're not right. I will not do what my employer tells me I need to do. You keep getting fired from job after job. It's not them. It's you. And we got to come back to the Bible. We got to come back to the word of Christ. And we got to realize God's trying to get through to me. And I need to be more intentional about what it means to submit to authority. Or about what it means to have a relationship with somebody that doesn't end in bitterness all the time. Unfriending and ghosting people on Facebook and whatever else. That's what everybody does. But we're missing out on maturity because of that. You've got to be intentional. Next, reality about change. It is training and not quote unquote trying that's essential. Back to my 350 pound weight. I don't know that I can, Coach Bruno is going to argue with me, but I don't know that I can ever get to a point in my life where I can lift 350 pounds bench press. I really don't care to be able to do that. I mean, honestly, I can go to heaven without doing that, okay? But if I wanted to, if you wanted to learn to run a marathon or a 5K, as long as we've got a reasonable amount of health, we can learn to do some of those things. But how do you learn to do it? It's not by loading 350 pounds on the rack and then saying, okay, here I go, let me try hard. It's by loading 150 pounds on the rack and working with those 150 pounds. And then a little bit later on, you put 175 pounds on. And then a little bit later on, you put 200 pounds on. And guess what happens? Your body responds. Why? Because you're not trying to lift 350 pounds. You're training all the way through to where you can get to that point. And that's the way we've got to start thinking about our growth and maturity. If I've got trouble in my relationship with people submitting to authority, I can't just all of a sudden say, all right, I'm going to start submitting to authority and everybody that tells me anything I need to do, I'm just going to do it. Boom. That's it. It'd be admirable if you could do that, but it's like trying to lift 350 pounds. So we're going to have to train for that. There are a lot of ways that we can train. We ought to talk to our spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ and ask questions about those kinds of things. What are some things that you've done in your life? And what are some things in your relationship with Jesus that you've done that have helped you to be more submissive to authority, especially when authority is doing something and saying something that's unfair? How do you respond to that? Because I want to grow and I want to be more like Jesus. Luke 6, verse 40, every disciple when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. That's Jesus talking. What did Jesus come to do? He didn't come to instill immediate zap you with maturity type of faith in his disciples. He worked with them for three and a half years. And even then they still showed some immaturity, didn't they? It's a constant process. They're being trained by the master. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, exercise yourself unto godliness. Exercise yourself. For godliness is profitable for all things. Bodily exercise profits a little bit. But godliness is profitable for all things. 1 Timothy 4 verse 8. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26. The apostle Paul talked about how he disciplined his body. He says, I'm giving up some rights that are mine so that I can win more souls to Christ because I don't want to be disqualified. And so I'm boxing, I'm fighting, not as one who just beats the air, but I'm trying to land my punches in ways that matter. He's training to be more like a disciple, more like Jesus. Number five, or number four, excuse me. Growth and maturity is a team event. 
As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of another. Proverbs 27, verse 17. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 warns us as the church. This is something we've had to think long and hard about over the last year plus. As we've dealt with shutdowns and mask mandates and isolation because people are concerned about a disease. Can I grow? Can I mature apart from the body of Christ? Can I? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but we should exhort one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching because maturity, change happens. Not just because, listen to me, I'm almost done, okay? But listen to me. Not just because you sat in the auditorium is change going to happen. Not just because you were in the right place at the right time, singing the right songs and doing the right things. That's not why change happens in your life. Change happens because you interact with the people of God. You get involved in people's lives. You get involved in relationships with them. And if something troubles you about another person, you know what you ought to do? You ought to press that relationship. You ought to reach out to them and say, listen, there seems to be something between us. What can I do? What have I done to offend you? I want to make this right because Jesus has reconciled us by his blood. And I don't want to do anything to dishonor that. Keep the unity of the spirit, the bond of peace, Ephesians 4 verse 3. Is it hard to do that? Yes. Because we don't like confrontation. We don't like having those kinds of conversations. But I'll tell you this. You'll grow. What if it's not about resolving the problem? What if it's about you growing to be more like Christ? What if that's what that's for? You can't do it apart from the body. It's a team event. Life change happens when we're part of a team. Number five. Dependence on God's strength and resources is essential. Everybody open your Bible one last time to Ephesians chapter 6 and look at verses 10 through 12. Do not forget the teaching of Ephesians 6 and verse 10. The Bible says, Ephesians 6 verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in your own strength. You can lift that 350 pounds, just keep training, it'll be alright. It's not what it says. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. That means, very practically, that I need the Word of the Lord in my life because this is a resource. There is strength and comfort and hope that is given by this, by the Word of the Lord. And it also means that I need to pray and I need to ask God for the things that I lack because I don't want to stay the way I am. I want to grow to be more like Christ and I want to be intentional about the ways that need to change. By now, some of you should have become teachers, the Hebrews writer said, but you need somebody to go back and give you the basic necessities, the basic resources. And maybe that's where some of us find ourselves. There still needs to be a dependence on God and on His resources. That's where change happens. And so if you want to put this, those of you who are engineers and like math, you want to put this in a mathematical equation, why don't more people grow up? Why don't more people change? Maybe some people aren't changing because they haven't been saved. They haven't come to Christ in the way that Jesus prescribes. 
Or maybe they're not being very intentional about what needs to change in their lives. You know, I can point out what's wrong with everybody else, but you ask me what's wrong with me, and maybe I have a harder time answering. Can't be intentional if that's the case. Maybe some of us are just not training in a proper and appropriate manner. Trying to lift weight that's way too heavy for you. Or maybe you're avoiding the community of God. Or maybe you're not trusting in the resources of God. But when you do those five things, and you can't leave out any of them, when you do those five things, Jesus can change your life. And that's what God wants from all of us. What would life be like in the Katy Church if every single one of us decided, I'm going to determine to grow. I'm going to determine to follow Jesus and to become more mature. And I'm going to determine in this area of my life or that area of my life that I want to be different. I want to be more like Jesus. Imagine what would happen if we grew in that way. I'll tell you this. Numerical growth follows spiritual growth. In any congregation, numerical growth follows spiritual growth. If people are growing spiritually, God provides opportunities. And spiritually growing and maturing people reach out to people who are lost. Spiritual growth comes first. And then numerical growth. If God chooses to bless us that way. Jesus wants to change your life and he wants to change mine. Maybe that needs to start with you today. By being saved, believe in Jesus Christ, repent of your sin, be baptized for the remission of your sins. You have a reorienting of your priorities, you have a new family to walk with you and care about you, and you have an all-loving and an all-merciful Father who wants to help you grow. If you're ready to make that decision this morning, or if you need to respond and you want to ask for prayers, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?